Welcome to The Bill Walton Show, featuring conversations with leaders, entrepreneurs, artists and thinkers. Fresh perspectives on money, culture, politics and human flourishing. Interesting people, interesting things. What is it about the word regulation that sets people off? The right hates it, the left thinks we can't get enough. But is this true? The debate about regulation seems to be mostly at the 35,000-foot level. Very few of us have the time or temperament to dig into this massive issue. So what are the trade-offs? On the one hand, do we really need federal agencies telling us how to design our products, keep our books, set our prices, withhold crops from the market, or manage our trash? But on the other hand, we ask, don't we want clean water, safe foods, and FDA-approved drugs? The answer is, of course, but up to a point. Our massive federal regulatory regime imposes trillions of dollars of cost every year and operates as a kind of a hidden tax. Unlike on-budget spending, regulatory costs are largely out of sight from public view. This means the cost of government extends far beyond what Washington collects in taxes and what it spends. At what point do the benefits of a regulation begin to exceed its cost? For example, how clean should our water be? EPA regulations have massively improved the waters in the United States, yet the EPA continues to regulate and spend money like the Cuyahoga River is still on fire. With me to help sort out these issues is uh, Wayne Cruz. Wayne is Vice President for Policy and a Senior Fellow at the uh, Competitive Enterprise Institute. Uh, importantly, he's the author of 10,000 Commandments, uh, an annual snapshot of the federal regulatory state. Welcome, Wayne. Thank We've you. known each other for years. I'm thrilled to be talking I'm with really you about this. I'm really happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Well, let's kick off with the, mm -hmm. with the, the dichotomies or the, or the polarities or whatever the big word is. What's an example of a good regulation, mm -hmm. a bad regulation, and a, maybe a good regulation gone bad? Mm -hmm. Well, you mentioned clean water. You know, early in the environmental movement, there was a good reason to recognize that we had problems with, uh, with, with dirty air. We needed something to do about it. There needed to do something to, about it. There are roots of those problems. You know, a lot, a lot of air, air sheds and watersheds and so forth are all government controlled, so we, do, we did have pollution there. We had companies polluting them very badly. I think a great example of a bad regulation these days, if you've bought a gas can lately from EPA, it's an EPA gas can is what we call it. You need three hands to operate it because it's got these contraptions on there where you have to pull strings and fill the gas can up and then try to pour it into your car. You end up losing and leaking more gas and more fumes than you save. Another bad one, guess what? The Consumer Product Safety Commission is regulating our kids' fidget spinners. They just put out new guidance saying that the little kids <laughs> can't what's play a, with these. This what's is a, what's a, toy, a fidget this spinner? Is, a fidget spinner is a toy that little kids are now using, uh, playing with in school, and the Consumer Product Safety Commission, without a law from Congress, just decided that they're going to regulate these. That's silly stuff, but there's, it's a serious, serious issue. Other particularly bad and worrisome regulations include, say, for example, the FCC, under the Obama administration regulating so-called net neutrality. The last thing we would want to do is have the federal government come in and regulate the internet, regulating speech and how content should be handled and things like that. It's a big issue. Put it this way about regulation. We know how much the government spends. 
and we know, unfortunately, we back, we're back up to trillion-dollar level deficits, and we've got a $22 trillion debt. Federal regulations, I use a placeholder of about $2 trillion for those costs. The Mercatus Center calls it double that. They say if you'd stop two tr- regulating. Two, $2 trillion. Two trillion how, do you, how do you measure $2 trillion? What I have done is the Mercatus Center, put for starters, had looked at what would have happened to investment if we'd stopped regulations at 1980 levels, and what would the effect of that be? We'd have a $4 trillion larger economy today if we had stopped regulations. Well, well how did they do that math? I mean, that's, those, I, are, those I, are regression models. I okay. stay away from those. I prefer, <laughs> I prefer to take what, what – and here's one of the problems with the regulatory state. I take the federal government's data that it yeah. puts out every year on, the regu- on regulations and their costs. They measure very, very few of them, which is something we can talk about later. But using that data and a few uh, private studies uh, – from consultancies and from other entities, I use a placeholder of $2 trillion, which is less than other entities mm-hmm. use. I'm comfortable using that because I think the costs are far more. In fact, we've got some new research coming out on this. But it helps to just put it in perspective. Well, that's about because, half the federal budget. Well, that's the point. Because it helps us to put it in perspective because if we think, okay, we know the federal budget is $4 trillion and regulations are at least $2 trillion, what does that tell us? Well, it tells us that regulations cost more than the individual income tax, which is about $1.2 trillion, and the corporate income tax, which is about between $300 and $400 billion. Mm-hmm. Regulations cost more than those combined. We wouldn't think of not measuring the federal budget or publishing the budget every year or publishing the historical tables, but we're in completely in the dark with respect to regulations. So that, that's why I think it's important for us to look at it. You asked about good and bad regulations. What we have to do, I think, is is go after this and take the big bites. We need to look at economic regulations and see what we can reduce there. Health and safety, much tougher issue because you started with the clean water issue, for example. Mm-hmm. Environmental regulations, tougher issue, but not when they regulate goofy things like a gas can. Mm-hmm. But, but you can break the regulatory state up into chunks and think, what is it that the federal government should do what is it that the state governments should do and the local governments and what should be left up to ordinary people? Well, is that, who's asking those questions, though? I mean, you are, and, I'm, yeah. and I think it, it's yes. a cost we should all care about, but it, how, does, how does the RAINS Act work? Here, well, here's, here's the, the bumper, R-E-I-N's R-E-I-N-S. It stands, stands for Regulations for... from the Executive in Need of Scrutiny. Okay. And what it gets at is the point that Congress has delegated most of its lawmaking power to federal agencies. I mean, yeah. our, our founder jokes that the Constitution isn't perfect, but it's better than what we have now. <laughs> and, that's, and that's kind of right, because it, Congress has, has delegated... Your founder, Fred a, Smith? That's Fred Smith. Yeah. It's, it's a long history. I mean, you know, even in the founding era, you had Alexander Hamilton and the push for a, for, push for a big, powerful federal government. That goes through Henry Clay, goes through the Progressive Era, through the New Deal, and so forth. But, we, but there's certain things that government should do and certain things that it ought not do. Too much power has been delegated to government where it's making all of these decisions in all of these critical areas when those decisions can be left up to individuals. So we have to figure out what's, what's the right thing, what is it that government's capable of doing, and is the things it does, should they even qualify as regulation? Because a lot of times regulation makes us worse off, not better off. We well, let's boil it down. You've got the... the, the uh... Congress, mm-hmm. legislative branch, you've got the judiciary, you've got the president, the administration. 
and its agencies. But then what we're talking about now is what com people come to view as the fourth branch of government. Right. Because what's happening is Congress passes these laws, which really are not laws. They're, they're sort of good intentions. Mm -hmm. And they write something called Dodd-Frank or the Affordable Care Act filled with good intentions, and then they toss it over to the agency and they say, you guys work out the details. Right. And so consequently, we don't have any oversight. We, meaning the voters, don't mm -hmm. have oversight of what's happening there. And, and, and is Congress actually uh, uh, getting engaged with the RAINS Act to do their job? No, not at all. Here's the, here's the problem. What the RAINS Act would effectively do is any major regulation that agencies put out would require, the RAINS Act would require Congress to vote on that rule before it's effective. Right. And each of the last three Congresses has passed the RAINS Act. However, the Senate has not. It's not been able to get through the Senate. Now in the new 116th Congress, there's no way that the RAINS Act will go through Congress. So that's not our option right now. And later we can talk about what some of the other options are. But that's, that's one of the key problems. And you mentioned the number of rules. Congress every year passes about a, a few dozen rules. This past year mm -hmm. was over 200, which actually we didn't have gridlock last year. We had a lot of laws coming out of the Congress. But we had over 200. But meanwhile, even under Trump, you have over 3,000 regulations, which gets at your point of they pass a law, and then later on, the agencies are implementing those. But these are unelected bureaucrats that we don't have any control over. So we effectively have one nation ungovernable. We, we don't have control. We don't have any voting power over those bureaucrats. And it needs to be reined in. Unfortunately, the RAINS Act <laughs> that would rein them in yeah. isn't something we can do right now. The Trump administration has tried a few things that we can talk about. But we'll have to, in the, in the short term, we're going to have to try some unique approaches. Well, let's talk about how this came to be. Mm -hmm. Progressives, Woodrow Wilson, mm -hmm. Teddy Roosevelt, basically didn't believe that the Constitution was relevant. That, right. that, that we've outgrown the need for a Constitution, <clears throat> and instead we needed a government run by experts. And you know the the arrogance, really. And I think people ought to be aware of how much arrogance lies behind the way we, where we are. Is that they didn't think they didn't think. Uh, uh, members of Congress could be really expert enough to make decisions about air quality or, you know, workplace safety or things like that, which means the ordinary person uh, just basically has been cut out of the uh, cut out of the process. Mm -hmm. Yet, Congress, though, uh, sort of enjoying being cut out of the process mm -hmm. because then they can pass these laws with that, which have really. Uh, lovely intentions and then kick it over to an agency and if the agency does things that people don't like the, the congressman can say well i didn't vote for that right 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 they get to blame the agency you can you know you can say well i voted for the clean air act amendments and take credit in front of the sierra club if you're a member but when people complain about the cost you say oh the epa is out of control so it's an over delegation issue that'll have to that'll need to be addressed it's um it, it's tough the Trump administration had tried, and, one, and its, its key effort was to try to roll back two regulations for every one yeah. that came in. But you talked about rule of experts under the progressive era. I think it's important. If, if people haven't, it's interesting to go back and look at some of the books that the progressives actually wrote. Look at some of the quotes from, the, from Woodrow Wilson and, and others. They really did believe in a rule of experts type of regime. They really did think you could separate politics from the management mm -hmm. and from what could be done. And they ended up carrying the day, of course. I mean, you know, we, we got all of these New Deal agencies. And then, in a, in a way, Republicans, too, are, are complicit in this because they, 
I'll I'll see your new deal and I'll raise you an EPA. This is a, this is a, bi this is a bipartisan. It's problem. definitely a bipartisan issue. I mean, issue. Richard Nixon brought mm -hmm. us a he lot of the agencies. Those. Yeah, and uh, and and so that so we have a real uh, real tough issue there. Part of it is you know not is believing in that expertise. And I've, I've, we're working on a new report called Rule of Flaw instead of Rule of Flaw, uh, Rule of Law. Kind of getting at this. And, and I think flaw, and flaw F, means F L A W instead of law, because basically. We have this impression that the agencies are expert, but I think if you step back and look at what they're doing, they're not expert because they may be expert in, you know, you talked about regulating the, the next little level in clean water or clean air or something like that, but real expertise is, requires other things. For, for example, we've got drones coming on board now at a time when the federal government controls airspace. Driverless cars are coming on board at a time when the governments control the roads. A big part of what, what uh, free markets require is property rights. And a big thing that is required in agency expertise is to come up with ways of giving themselves less to do. In other words, I put it this way. I said for every report that comes out on regulatory review, there ought to be another report from, from the so-called, quote, office of no. In other <laughs> words, in addition to the expert analysis saying here's what the regulation is, Kind of, kind of like these Trump task forces looking at regulations that are, that are supposed to be taking a look. There needs to be someone, if we have the administrative state as we do, and we have that right now, that's, that's, the, that's the reality of it right now, there's got to be a counter in there. Right now, everything is ratcheting upward. There's got to be a force within those agencies, and they can come up and testify every year, to say why this particular, every regulation, net neutrality, what have you, is a bad thing to do, and we need to be taking steps to do further movement into the private sector. Well, in theory, the, there's an office in the White House called OIRA, mm -hmm. with Office of Information and Regulatory Affairs. Right. And they're supposed to be a watchdog of sorts, mm -hmm. yet... I think they have what twenty people, and they're, it's tough. And they're two million and people. In, it's tough. In the agencies. Yeah, if, if they're if the, if Congress needs to take back this legislative power, and it does, I'm happy with them having larger staffs if it means we can we can reduce some of the, some of the agencies. Right. OIRA was set up back during the Paperwork Reduction Act, and President Reagan strengthened it with the, his Executive Order twelve two ninety one. Bottom line: cost benefit analysis for rules, mm -hmm. and fortunately. That yeah, although it's changed a little bit, that same executive order is still in effect today. There have been modifications to it from Clinton and others. So OIRA, which stands for Office of Information and Regulatory Affairs, as you say, within the Office of Management and Budget, just like we, we, we review spending, OIRA is supposed to review regulations to make sure that they're, they're effective, that they make sense. Mm -hmm. But here's the problem, Bill. Remember, there are 3,000 regulations, but OIRA looks at just the so-called significant, and the agencies get to decide what's significant, right? Sure, yeah. So the, they look at... They do get to decide? The agencies decide that, not you or me or not Congress. Okay. So they, make, so they leave out things that, are, that you, we would consider significant. So they, they whittle it down that way. Then they review the costs. You're, of, you're, you're depressing me. Don't get depressed, because when, <laughs> when we get to the end and we talk about... Okay. But, 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 but they review the cost of about 60. Yeah, then for cost-benefit analysis, both, you know how many there were the year before last? I didn't do my tally for, for 2018. 14. 3,000 regulations, cost-benefit analysis for 14. So th 
if you ever needed an example, you're not of, doing any better how, in terms of, of improving. If you, my needed, if you needed an example of how of how out of control it is, yeah. it's I, when I said one nation ungovernable, I mean that it's not workable. I, I, just just so you don't get too depressed, part of the solution <laughs> is walling off the future, and we 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 can get to that because I always say it's probably become I say it too much, but most of the world's wealth is not yet created. Most of the world's jobs are not yet created. Sure. And we do not have to regulate new sectors in the future in the way we're doing now. And that, that involves a lot of things that has to be done by Congress. And, and well, my, now, wait, my general counsel, Josie, says, yeah, Wayne, but most of the world's regulations aren't written yet either. <laughs> but, well, they're, they're right behind you. Right. I often say we've got 21st century technology mm-hmm. being chased by 19th century regulation. Right, exactly. And that's the that's same. Right. That's because what you're that's, talking that's about. That's the origin. They can only regulate what exists. Right. And there's a school of thought that a lot of this doesn't matter that much because companies are innovating faster than the regulators can uh, can regulate, and so a lot of good things are happening outside the regulatory right. framework. The, you know, the, there's you a problem at, with that, right? It, yeah. The, the pro- what happens is, you, you know, who who was the? Uh, it was Peter Thiel or someone who said, you know, we we were supposed to be going to Mars now, instead we're typing 128 characters. Yeah, so I think you said that. Yeah. It, it, with, yeah. with the point being, anything that involved the world of atoms, <laughs> you know, the real world, is heavily regulated, construction, hospitality, energy. But things were made of bits, like creating a software program, remain relatively unregulated. Right, right. So the tech sector and creating new apps and all of those things could boom. But it was those other sectors that were cut out. I'm just worried about the tech sector in the sense that given – the proclivities of the Federal Trade Commission or the FCC, those industries can be so-called born captive. I've heard Adam Thier use that term, and I think that is one of the problems. Is, is our driverless cars going to be born free or are they going to be born captive? Mm-hmm. Is that going to be the case with drones? What about artificial intelligence, born free or born captive? So you've been working at this for, what, 30 years? Wow, y'all are getting old. <laughs> we both are. Yes. <laughs> I met you a long time ago. I remember when I first got to Washington. I think yeah, it was I, in came, the, I came. I came. I worked the on the Hill. I, I started out with a, a group of Citizens for a Sound Economy. I worked uh, a short time in the Food and Drug Administration, and I worked on the Hill, and then Cato and CEI. But I just noticed a kind of a gap. Uh, you know, and, and you've also written doing, a book called "Who Rules the Net: uh, Internet Governance and Jurisdiction." We, well, I, I, I get interested in different regulatory issues, right? And, you know, for a while, privacy was a big issue. We'd take an interest in that. But I do, th- when, when, when too many people are working on an issue, I think it's important to go find, find another one because kind of the, the regulators are always moving around, and we have to be, <laughs> have to be creative, too, and look for ways to uh, well, well, I, look I start, for alternatives. I, I, I started this maybe with a false dichotomy that shows, you know, the, the right hates regulation, the left mm-hmm. loves it. I think that's <clears throat> sort of true, but it doesn't really capture what's going on because... There's also an idea of called regula- out there regulatory capture, mm-hmm. and you find a lot of these these industries which are already entrenched love the regulation. Right. Case in point, Dodd Frank, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and you know I think I've told this story maybe too many times, but Jamie Frank and Lloyd Blankfein, who was then CEO of uh, Goldman Sachs and or J.P. Morgan and Goldman Sachs respectively, were at an investor conference and told everybody there, look you got to invest in us because Dodd-Frank is keeping everybody else out of the finance industry. Mm-hmm. It's built a regulatory mode, a financial mode, a capital requirement mode yep. around our businesses that upstarts aren't going to be able to break down. Now, 
that's hyperbole because we've also got the fin, fintech. Right. Uh, there is a lot of innovation going on in financial technology, but still, when you think about constituents to roll back regulation, who are the people out there who really want to do that? I mean, mm -hmm. you do, I ask you the question mm -hmm. 30 years, mm -hmm. it's who, tough. Who, are, who are your okay. allies in okay. this cause? It, what you find, and you know, Fred, who had mentioned before, had, had done an interview uh, with, with Bill Moyers, and he asked, well, what about uh, you know, y'all corporate funded? He said, well, we dance with corporations, we don't get married. The point being was, Every well, single so Bill company Moyers. on a particular, he's corporate funded too. And believe me, PBS gets way more corporate money yeah, than any very, think tank. Very corporate funded. Okay, <laughs> the left gets way more. But uh, the the point is, company. There's no question that companies have their self interest and rent seek. A big part of that is the fact that the rents are available because of the regulatory state. Right. They're available if if someone is concerned with Facebook's market power or something like that. Other, comp other companies have the antitrust agencies there to appeal to and so forth and get the regulation they want. You mentioned financial regulation. It's a, it's a key issue there. And what counts as financial stability? Is Dodd-Frank the best way to do it? Are there other ways it could have been approached? Dodd-Frank's not the best way to do it. Exactly. And there are other ways to do these things. Oh, and that, br that actually brings up a good point. When we say the federal government maybe shouldn't regulate, that doesn't mean that we don't have regulation. You can't equate an agency's issuance with regulation. Free market, let's say fair, does not mean companies get to run wild and do whatever they want to do. You have a normal functioning rule of law system. Every company has upstream business suppliers, downstream business customers, mm -hmm. customers, consumers, Wall Street, advertisers, the media. There are a lot of forces arrayed against companies that misbehave in a rule of law framework. Mm -hmm. You cannot sweep all that away. Well, an industry, and an have, industry have, self-regulate. They, they do. In a sense, they do. That's what I, I, I because always they don't prefer. want bad actors out there selling stuff that hurts right. people because it hurts way, their business. Yes, a good way to do it is is competitive discipline. You don't get to run around and do what you want to do because you're going to suffer for it. Yeah, and and you want to make sure that you don't replace the the favorable dynamics of a market system that really do regulate with what government does. Cybersecurity is a great example. I mean, the Homeland Security law indemnified security, like security ma gas masks, like if their security technologies fail, they're indemnified. So that's the opposite of what a market would do. A market will require you to make it safe. You have liability standards. You know, all, There are all these certifications that would come into play that the market does self-regulation and discipline in ways better than governments do. So the $2 trillion we talked about at the mm -hmm. outset, is that the cost imposed on businesses and organizations to comply with rules? It's, or, is that, or is that also the cost of things that don't get done because of the rules? It's primarily cost of, cost, cost of rules and then effects in the economy, yeah. generalized effects dampening in the economy. You know, I was yeah. mentioning Mercatus. The things about that don't number. happen. Things that don't happen. Things yeah, because boy, if you're a small business now, I just I ran a couple. I started and ran a couple of small mm -hmm. businesses, and it could be a nightmare. I mean, oh, you've sure. got you get a letter. Not we're, don't even talk federal government. We're talking state government. The you know your local municipality. They've got all these things they want you to do, and you can spend <laughs> ninety percent of your time complying with this. Right, and. Big companies can absorb it. They can get a couple hundred lawyers to deal with things, but little companies can't. And so it seems like the reason people should care about this so much is the regulations that come out disproportionately fall on the little guy. Mm -hmm. They definitely hurt. They disproportionately affect the small companies, and also yeah. the larger ones. 
end up with employees, these compliance <laughs> officers and so forth, that are almost a step removed from bureaucrats. Sure, and they're then, built out of the same bolt of cloth. That's clock. right. And yeah. then they, they, you know, if they de- the sad thing is, if a deregulatory measure does come about, they're prone to oppose it because they already have their system set up and, it, and it's difficult for them. You can, it, you can look at how regulations stack up as a small firm grows, and I think that's important. You know, the labor regulations that, that start then when you have five employees, 10, 20, then everybody stops at 49, right? Because once you go over that, every, well, we promised, every you, regulation we applies. before we started that, that, <laughs> and we're not close to the ending, but we'll, we'll come up with solutions. But you think about mm-hmm. one of the reasons why I get pessimistic about this topic is we've got millions of people employed in the regulatory compliance industry. Right. <laughs> and, you know, big corporations, I don't know, GE probably has, I don't know, 20, 30,000 people dealing with all sure. the regulatory stuff they've got to deal with. And, and then they're spending all sorts of money in Washington lobbying to make sure they get outcomes for things they want. And, uh, I mean, if you've got that many people with a stake in the existing regulatory regime, how do you, how it change? How do you change it? Yeah. Well, I always joke that regulatory reform only happens every two generations. <laughs> yeah. You know, we had it in the in the late 70s before I was ever involved in any of this stuff, but you know, we had transportation, some financial, you know, banking and, and uh, airlines. That happened when you had kind of a general agreement that the economic regulation was doing bad things. Yeah. Same thing could be the case with health and safety regulation or environmental, but we more, more rarely have that kind of coming together. The last time the Republicans even proposed a major elimination of federal agencies was back in the 90s when the republicans first came into power in the house of representatives in 96 that's when the rains act passed for example that you that you mentioned the unfunded mandates legislation and other bills that was when they were going to eliminate the commerce department the department of energy the department of education and you don't hear that kind of talk anymore Rick, Rick, Rick Perry, Perry tried was it, the last <laughs> right? He because, tried it because now, he couldn't but, remember but all of them. But it goes right to what you would say. Now he's now he's the chair. Now right? he's chairman <laughs> of the department. <laughs> so that's how that works. Re- Republicans oppose agencies, but then they had them. It was a little, Mick Mulvaney was a little different, but it was see. It well, was, I was I was responsible for the Trump uh, transition, building plans for all the economic agencies, mm-hmm. and I don't think the SBA really needs to exist. I think the private sector right. can provide all the things for small business more mm-hmm. effectively than the SBA can. Can I give them one plug? Not for not for any loans, but SBA was the only entity you might you might know that ever did any aggregate cost of the regulatory state. And they've kicked that aside and now there's nothing. <laughs> okay, well they get a plug for what? 20 years ago when they that's, had some that's right. some inspired administrator now, that wanted to think it through. Well, okay, it. well he's he or she's gone. <laughs> but I sort of thought, I sort of, you know, we, Trump came in thinking we ought to get rid of agencies mm-hmm. and things like that. And I, we had a one-page plan for the SBA, basically, which is, mm-hmm. um, we shouldn't have it. Right. Well, and then very the very next day, practically, Trump appointed Linda McMahon to be EPA or SBA, SBA. administrator. Mm-hmm. And we looked around at each other and we said, well, there goes that plan. <laughs> <laughs> right, She's certainly not going to put herself out of business. Right, right. Well, that's what happens. I would, I would say, remember... Tr- and I don't even know tr- what kind of job she's well, doing now, but it's well, uh, after, the agency's still there. there that it is. <laughs> after the administration came in, he issued a handful of executive orders on, on deregulation or regulatory liberalization. There were a lot with li- respect to liberalization of building new infrastructure. Mm-hmm. That, those kinds of things were very, very important. He also set up task forces in agencies to review their entire regulatory agenda. 
And since you were you were there as part of the economic or oversight and organization, yeah, we're, we're Mulvaney plans headed up. Yeah. You know, remember the executive branch reorganization program that Mulvaney headed up. Yeah, just released its uh, report. I, I think now it's been well, it's not just anymore. It's been about five months. They issued their final report. Unfortunately, even under the Trump administration, they don't get rid of any agencies. They do a little bit of consolidation, well, kind of the stuff you'd see GAO propose. And then they, there's some Department of Education and Department of Labor components that are combined, and that's it. Well, it's tough. the problem the Trump administration have is that the, the people that staff these agencies are overwhelmingly progressive Democrats. Mm -hmm. I mean, you look at the vote in Washington, Hillary Clinton got 97 percent of the vote. vote here, and mm -hmm. that's probably... Close to that in Northern Virginia and in uh, Southern Maryland, where sure. most of the most of the federal employees live. So if you've got people who are ideologically opposed to what Trump wants to do, so, and then we've got the work rules. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if you're running an agency and somebody's being obstreperous, you really can't do anything about it. Right. They're there. They're effectively there to stay. And I think it, it it's hard to even overstate the amount of. Uh, opposition to the Trump agenda in the agencies. You can go back and find uh, Washington Post articles and some other articles, what Robert Reich had to say. Look at Robert Reich, the former Clinton Labor Secretary, website on, on what he says. They act, you know, this, you know, everything is a hashtag now, but even the federal agencies had their hashtag resistance, and they were meeting, and before Trump came in, that one of the progressive organizations was working with the Obama administration to get him to staff all of these committee positions inside agencies with, yeah. with people yeah, yeah. favorable to to the Obama agenda. It was just utter resistance. But that's what, that just shows you one of the reasons why the administrative state doesn't work. You can't, it, it's not something that's capable of governing, governing. It doesn't work. And you have to have, we have to have Article One restoration, but that's a much longer haul. We'll have to do some other more short-term things. But it just shows you, you can't govern that way. We got away from that kind of government by setting up, by having our constitution and having our bill of rights. We didn't set up these administrative sub kings yeah. like we have now. Well, we we want to get we want to talk about solutions. Mm -hmm. Kim, Kim Strassel writes for the Wall Street Journal last year at a column about an interesting issue that might have bipartisan appeal. It gets at the people who administer the mm -hmm. regulations, and she talks about civil service reform. Mm -hmm. And you know we've got. Uh, Two million members of the federal bureaucracy, and they're really accountable to no one. Right. And they're getting paid, if you include benefits, roughly 60, 70 percent more than people in the private sector, mm -hmm. which is why I think this 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 partial government shutdown that we're going through now does isn't really resonating with a lot of the country right. because they're thinking, well, look, if I'm a GE or I'm a General Motors, I just had my plant shut. Right. So right. why should they have any? You know why should they? We'd be more concerned about them than mm -hmm. than the politicians are about us in a General Motors plant. Right. I mean, well, that that's an issue that came up, and you can kind Seems of seems to me like you could put together a coalition to do sure. something about civil service. Sure. I think rule. we definitely have to have civil service reform, but it's going to have to take into account also the contractors because that's why we're so rich. The, the, these areas around here, the, the, the five richest zip codes are all around Washington, D.C., yeah. and this is, this is contractor heaven. They're richer than Beverly Hills. They're richer than Beverly Hills, and that's what has to be addressed. Paul Verkyle had done a, had done a book. He, was, he had headed the, head of the administrative conference of the U.S. government, and uh, he had done a book about the, kind of the contractor state. It's not just that Congress is delegating to the agencies. The agencies are then turning around and delegating to the contractors, and you have these revolving doors that take place. So it really, really, you really get removed 
removed from a, from a constitutional system. But we do have to have those reforms. Interestingly enough, you can go, I guarantee you, you can go turn on NPR at, at noon today when they do the top of the hour news. They're going to showcase a suffering federal employee, but it's always someone who's a low, lower wage employee. It's never the senior service who are, who well, are, didn't, are doing didn't just Didn't somebody fine. feature the... the terrible plight of an IRS employee who had to make chili without without meat. I I, I had noticed that and it was irresistible to me to use it. She had to make us chili and not use meat. <laughs> Beans are actually better for you that, anyway. That, well, so, maybe, but, maybe yeah. chili actually chili's oh, not plight. supposed to chili's not supposed to have beans. It's only supposed to be only meat. We, well, we gotta wrong. talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're you're from South South Virginia. Well right? don't don't take me too seriously because okay. I always put beans in it too. But okay. but I'm just saying some of the some of the hardcore people it's like the barbecue arguments down there. You can't you can't win. So you, you had an interesting one of the things that prompted me to get to get us together to talk. I've wanted to do it for a long time. Titled if the government shutdown falls short of Armageddon, we mm -hmm. should rethink the other 75%. Too. What are yes. we seeing with this partial yes. shutdown? Yes, what I mean by that is this, this partial shutdown cap, you know, it captured what other shutdowns get. You got the national parks, and you know, the free market position is those should be run by the states. You know, the state mm -hmm. governments run those areas, and you have private entities that ad adopt, you know, kind of like adopt a highway, you know, all kinds of private solutions to that kind of thing. The, uh, the, the biggest effect on the public is the TSA and the, mm -hmm. and the potential of, of the TSA that my, one of my colleagues, Mark Scribner, is running? They're not going to strike because they'd get fired for striking. They, they, they can't do that. But up until 9 11, security at the airport was a private sector function. And, and, as, I, and, as, and as I wrote, you know, back when I was working on some of the privacy and cybersecurity yeah. and regulatory issues back at the Cato Institute, now that I opposed, even George Bush opposed the Department of Homeland Security that, in, initially, and then he changed his mind. All of these things occurred. You have to, what you have to look at is the 25% shutdown shows you that the public need not suffer. You can't make it about the government employees suffering. It can't mm -hmm. be about that, period. It has to be about what's the effect on the public, period. And so if you look at that and then you look at the rest of the federal government, you realize it's well running primarily the entitlement programs, defense, and so forth. It lets us see that, well, this is a big part of the everyday function of the government. By the way, I can't even do my updates on regulations because the data doesn't get updated at the Federal Register because the agencies aren't able to put anything out. I, 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 thought I, put, I put out a piece saying, hey, that's great. <laughs> but, but, it, but it just shows it, it's a time to regroup and to rethink because the world didn't fall off a cliff when the government shut down, and it still hasn't fallen off a cliff. And the things that do deteriorate are because of poor decisions we've made in the past about what it is that government should be doing and what it shouldn't be doing. Okay, let's wrap. I was, let's, well, I always joke it should be, it, it should pick a national bird. And that, <laughs> you think we should have stopped when we picked, picked that national bird. No, just, just We have kidding. a lot of turkey that's, that's on our property out in Virginia, so I, I'm for the turkey. Uh, they're, they're very smart. They're very smart. Uh, they sure are. Yeah. So let's have, let's, let's, a couple lines of action. So mm -hmm, if, mm -hmm. if, if somebody okay. listening to this, hears about this as an idea out there, they can know what it is and get behind it. Right. Don't despair because the trajectory of liberty, despite setbacks, the trajectory of liberty I always see as upward. Yeah. We do have these big setbacks. What we have to keep in mind is that most human beings who are going to be living aren't here yet. Most jobs aren't here yet. Most of the wealth to be created isn't here yet. Yeah. We don't have to do things in the future the way we've done them in the past. In the short term, and I can say one of the things that the agencies are doing that has gotten out of control is not just issuing their rules, but just issuing decrees. 
memoranda, notices, circulars, bulletins, administrator interpretations. That's really how they're <laughs> regulating now. I testified in the uh, Homeland Security and Government Affairs Committee in the Senate, and even Democrats were concerned about this problem. Mm-hmm. So I have, I have talked, when, when we meet folks on the Hill, we talk, with, we talk to Democrats just as we do Republicans. And, you know, there are plenty of issues that they're never going to agree on. We can't yeah. debate, you know, renewable energy with them. However, when it comes to do you want Uber regulated, over it, well, it's already heavily, or do you want Airbnb regulated? Do you want the new with the drones regulated? There's a little bit of a holdoff that you know. There's more overlap in what the federal government should do. I think there's there's some um, interest in more regulatory disclosure on both sides. Mm-hmm. I think this year the biggest debate once things are open and up and running again is going to be the infrastructure bill. That's which could be a lot of pork and shovel ready stuff. But on the other hand, that's also a key opportunity to add on some regulatory liberalization. That's who, important. Who are the key members in Congress that would be getting behind this? Well, it had been, you know, the, the committees are all are all in in uh, ha, have all changed over, so it's much tougher now. I don't now see Max, doing, what Maxine Waters doing much financial services deregulation. Right, right, and uh, and you know, over in over in House Government Affairs, we're, over, oversight and government affairs, we're not going to get get any real traction either. But I think the the dark matter issues are being looked at and will be looked at. There's there's certain there's certain groups on the outside who are. Who, call, who build themselves bipartisan in nature, who are looking at solutions to some of these things. Real, real quick, mm-hmm. you mentioned dark matter. Mm-hmm. Refresh my... Well, basically this. You know how we, we talked about Congress does a few dozen laws every year? The yeah. agencies issue yeah. 3,000 yeah. regulations. They don't just issue those rules and regulations. They also issue administrative interpretations and notices and bulletins and circulars. If, right. you, look, if, you, if you put, say, the IRS is a gen, it's, its entire uh, purview into a pyramid. The top is the U is the tax code, little little peak. Then below that you got Treasury Department regulations. Everything else is IRS guidance and notices and out, mm-hmm. out to the public mm-hmm. trying to clarify, confusing a lot of things. The big debate we had a few years back over the transgender restrooms was guidance. It was a letter, so-called dear colleague letter from the Department of Justice and the Department of Education that went out to all of these all of these schools. Not a law from Congress. Not a regulation that went through notice and comment, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. guidance. That's how a lot of things function now. It's occurring with the way drones are regulated. It's occurred well, like the the uh, the NHTSA National Highway Transportation Safety said that your smartphone in your car needs to have a safe mode, but NHTSA regulates motor vehicle equipment. It doesn't. <laughs> it never has the power to regulate phones, and yet they issue guidance like that anyway. And there's a big uproar. So that's what they do. The labor the labor department rules a couple of years back on independent contractors and on, joint, on on franchising that had come out, changing the rules of franchising, not laws, not regulations. They were just notices that had come out from the agency. So that's, I think, our big concern. That, that was you, at a labor. And that, that was, was labor. That part. was devastating because mm-hmm. they decided that if you were an employee of a franchisee, you were also an employee of the franchisor. Right. So can, means, you, can you imagine? I mean, that was yeah. just done with a notice. Yeah. Now, has that been rolled back? It, it had been. Those, those okay. things are still being debated behind the scenes. You mentioned yeah. all the, the folks that are still there that are, you know, you know. They're still they're not, there. They're still there. <laughs> right. They're still which, there. Which gets at a real, you know, that does yeah. get you at a real problem with the administrative state. That's why I hope, and, and you know, different groups of ours, including groups on the left, you know, we're, we're the small L libertarian, I guess you could say, but there are groups on the left that we work with too. In tech policy, Cybersecurity, privacy, drones, driverless cars. We have an opportunity not to do to them what had been done 
to smokestack sectors. Yeah, say. good. Okay. And if we can wall, as I say, if we can wall off the future, you know, you always say you don't have to tell the grass to grow; you just have to take the rocks off of it. <laughs> if we can, if we can wall off the future from the poor ways we've regulated in the past, we're going to have um, we we're, we can effectively outgrow. The future economy could be much bigger than the one that's overregulated right now. And so, it does come it does come around to regulations do pile up and you talk about all these companies, but eventually yeah. the bell tolls for you too. So even if you're someone who's in favor of regulation, eventually things get so bad because they're affecting your suppliers and everyone else, there's a general tendency a tenor and need for regulatory reform. In the eighty in the nineties it happened because governors were being so, so the big, I, like the that big idea I'm taking, when we need to wrap up, we could go on, I could go on for another couple hours, but mm -hmm. the big takeaway, is it's walling off the future, it's, it's, it's getting people mindful, let's not regulate the new things right. that are happening, let's leave it alone, let's let the market take care of that and let those companies or entities innovate mm -hmm. and create the future, because that's where all the growth is going to come exactly. from. Exactly. Exactly. That's 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 what we need to do. And you know, we had, we had talked about earlier that some of the old line industries are the most heavily sure. heavily regulated. And so you see, young people graduated from from college, they want to go into the ones that are less regulated. But we need them in construction. We need them in manufacturing. We need them in all these other sectors. And it needs to be more appealing. Those need to be more appealing careers. And regulation makes them less so than they could be. That's why you had the joke of why there's so many app social media we don't need another social media app we got that <laughs> we got that one so covered. we got it covered so yeah. so so there's an interest and i think you know and other things are forcing the debate too i mean you know artificial intelligence is forcing this kind of a debate too because there's calls for saying well it's going to cause an issue with jobs we're going to reduce the number of jobs that people are doing it's going to make unemployment issues even yeah. worse but another way to deal with unemployment issues is to liberalize the economy so the companies can create more jobs and I think that's a bipartisan issue, too. I'm with you on that. Wayne Cruz with the Competitive Enterprise Institute. You're doing great work in making us freer and richer and happier. And I also understand from looking at your bio that can you still do a head a handstand on a, a skateboard? Actually, yeah. In fact, our, our dinner video this past year, they had a video. That we, they came outside and made a video of me going down the sidewalk doing a handstand. <laughs> and showed it at the dinner. <laughs> Anybody that can do that, I'm really, That's pretty I'm, cool. I'm, I'm getting behind well, listen, you. You, <laughs> you mentioned, you mentioned 10,000 Commandments, my report. Sure, I have yeah. you a pack of 10,000 Commandments. Oh, good, great. So yeah, I need gonna those. going to be in great shape. <laughs> 10,000. Thank you so much for having me. It's been yeah. a real, real delight. Yeah. It's, Thanks it's, a lot. We'll do this again. For and, sure. Uh, might get you on with a couple of other people in the regulatory world to see if we can't uh, do a little back and forth. Terrific. Okay, Wayne, thank you. Thanks for joining me. We'll uh, see you in our next, uh, our next conversation. Thanks for listening. Want more? Be sure to subscribe at thebillwaltonshow.com or on iTunes. Amazon is hiring near you. Earn a competitive wage and start as soon as seven days. No resume or experience required. Health and safety are a top priority with all of our roles and sites, and Amazon is taking precautions in our buildings to keep people healthy. Go to amazon.com apply. That's amazon.com apply. Amazon is an equal opportunity employer.